One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with co-host on episode 128, and we've got a special guest. It's taking 128 episodes for you to interview me. Thanks. Well, every time <laughs> every time I've asked you, you're straight out decline, and I've needed Leave to... Leave you on red. I've needed That's to literally come to your home here at Close House, not your actual technical home, but your golfing home, to sit down and have a podcast with lee westwood let's see if it was worth it <laughs> high expectations now well thanks for coming on how are you are you good are you yeah, well very well yeah you having a good year yeah not bad yeah. In- enjoying life you've just been talking about football and yeah. how you're getting very excited about Knott's forest consuming my life at the moment watching forest are you, are you like suit is that like your real sport and passion outside of golf yeah if I hadn't have been a golfer, I would have played on the left wing for Forest, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Were you good at football growing up? It was all right. Really? Yeah, not bad. And was there ever a point where it was like you had to make a decision? Whether you were like, or did, was golf just the obvious one? Golf was the obvious one, but I, I played all sports when I was growing up, so um, golf didn't mix well with football, running, rugby. Really? You played that many? Yeah. Many other kind of... I feel like there's a lot of golfers that either get into like hockey or cricket. Yeah. Was there, were there any things you got into? Tennis? No, no. There's not much tennis in works up. <laughs> <laughs> I was not cross country champion, so I was a pretty good runner. Really? Yeah. Wow. Ran for uh, works up areas. No way. Um, and then golf. Well, when I was when I was about nine, that was. <laughs> <laughs> and then golf kicked in. Did you start quite early golf? Uh, no, not really. I was about. 12, 13 years of age. Wow. And I got good quickly, won the county championship at 14. And then from kind of that age, that year, started getting recognised on nationally and got picked for England. I was about 16, 15, 16, played at Nairn, my first home internationals. And then that was when I kind of really just decided to play golf. I figured if I was in the best 12 boys in the country, then, you know, I got a chance of making it professionally at some level. You were doing all right? Yeah. I was doing all right. You've had an incredible career. First ever Open Championship in 1996. Five. 95, it was. Obviously, you know that <laughs> better than me. St. Andrews. I should have known this, shouldn't I? Um, Don't what, worry, I'll I'll pick you up on any uh, wrong facts. <laughs> like, when you look back at your career now, like, what what what's your, what's your thoughts of it all? Because it's been, obviously, 20... Seven years, close. 
Might as well master, Pat. It's my 29th season as a pro. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually getting further away. You said 96 or 95. You said 27 when it's 29. So. Well, you get what I mean. It's yeah. near enough. Do you want to look at your notes? No, no, um, no, 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 no it's not going to be. Can you not tell? <laughs> so, like, what, when you look back at it now, what, what, do, you, what do you think of it all? Um, I think I've been lucky to do something that I love for so long. Yeah. And do it well. Yeah. Take me well. to a lot of nice places. I met a lot of great people. Um, not not something you expect when you first you know start practicing hitting balls up at works at golf club on the range yeah um, playing with your mates it's kind of not a path that you envisage super consistent as well over a long time like I started playing in 96 97 and obviously you were out then and, and today you're still like performing competing at that super elite level there's not many other people I can think of that have, have done that for that long no, I think you're right. Um, you know, there's a handful probably. Um, I don't know why. I love the game, obviously. Um, you know, I've I've always had... Somebody Somebody said to me, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And I've always loved the journey, yeah. the game of golf. You know, I've loved going and practising. You know, I've loved the travelling. You know, I've loved the competitiveness. I've loved challenging myself all the time. Yeah. Seeing, and now, you know, I'm in that area where... I maybe don't practice as much as I used to, in balls. But I just I practice on other things that I know are going to make me play well. So it's kind of a different branch off to the journey. So you know I do a lot more gym work now and flexibility work and psychological work, um, and sort of view golf differently now. I'm not I'm not so consumed with the outcome anymore. Yeah, because because you enjoy the journey so much. Yeah, but like I say, it's just a diff a slightly different journey. Yeah, and I know if I kind of dedicate myself to the journey and do do that properly i know that i'm still good enough to compete in certain tournaments that is that is staggering and what what still gives you the motivation what drives you what gets what gets lee westwood every single week on week or every tournament on tournament to put your most effort into it um well i i enjoy it first and foremost you know i love going and hitting balls and i love practicing short game and putting I like challenge myself all the time I think uh, you know it's you're never satisfied in golf are you well, you can never you, complete it that's the thing you, you, no you never I mean I've shot 60 and I've always felt you know and I sat down after that round and thought could have been one or two better yeah it's <laughs> hard <isn't> it? crazy <laughs> well that, yeah. that's it what like there is no you never you, master it do you well unless you can li- quite literally go around in 18 shots yeah which yeah. which is physically pretty impossible yeah you can't master it because yeah. even 18 under you think well why don't i eagle the par fives you know it's yeah. it's absolutely you'll have crazy. missed a put somewhere or yeah you'd, you'd have there's, there's going to be a not perfect shot somewhere mm. along the line does lines. that change that when you win a tournament you're never thinking oh, i won by three but i should have won by five are you just happy just to get that win or have you ever won and still thought i could have even done better no i don't think you think about wins like that yeah um you know you're always pleased to have won a golf tournament whether it be in a playoff or by eight nine yeah um and wins come in all different shapes and sizes don't they you know mm-hmm. i've come from six or seven shots back in the final round and i've had five or six shot leads so you know that is a challenge in itself to mentally get your head around mm. those what kind of situations so what would you prefer to be in if you if if you had an option would you ra- rather be three ahead on the final round or three back i'd rather be three ahead you know you've got as long as you get your i've always thought when you're three ahead go out and try and shoot the lowest score of the day from 
anybody in the field. You can't you be do beaten. that. You can't be beaten. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, and I think that comes with experience. You know, I've had big leads and lost them, and I've had big leads and and won. And you know, you learn through those experiences the the right mentality and mindset to have when you go out. What is your single career highlight? What's the best thing if you could, if you could give it one thing? What's been the best thing that's happened to you in your career? Well, I think becoming world number one. You know, you're best in the world. You can sit down in a room like this and look out into the world and realize there's a lot of people play the game of golf and there's nobody better than you. That's that's awesome, so it's weird it? to think about it like that. And it's and it it creeps up on you at different times as well. I, I, I could be walking through the supermarket and I'll think. I'm best golfer in this supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> that guy that's buying today's golfer, I'm yeah, better than you. I'm better than you. <laughs> oh I my goodness. I've got the stats to prove it. I bet, yeah, but that's crazy. Because obviously, yeah. did it did it give you like a huge level of confidence when you're even at events? Like thinking yeah, you are does, the yeah. best I mean, golfer. When I became world number one, I went out in the tournaments after that and I finished like second and won one and third and kind of reinforced that, you know, I had the consistency that, would take me to world number one, even when I became world number one. Now, the interesting thing comes when you do reach the top, the pinnacle, you look down and you think, all oh, these people are after my spot mm. now. So it brings yes. its added challenges. Of course. Um, you know, there's one thing getting there, but then there's another thing staying there and having everybody try and take your spot. What do you think at the moment with the kind of story with like Scotty becoming world number one in a ridiculous short period of time? Well, I mean, he's had an incredible run. When you look back, he was their weakest player at the last Ryder Cup. Yeah, world rankings. Well, yeah. was he twenty first or something yeah. like that? And I, I remember when Pete when he when he got picked, it was like, you know, really, he's no experience, and you'll know better than me. I can't remember how he did in the Ryder Cup, but obviously the team did well. But yeah, and then from the start, of this, I didn't. I don't think I played him. But and then start of this year, he's just gone on this incredible run. And do yeah. you think again, it's that mindset of as soon as obviously you win and you win a couple and you become world number one, like you go into the next event thing well how can i be how can i be how can i be beaten almost it gives you an added confidence and one thing it does do it has shown is that the world rankings are accurate mm. yeah you know a lot of people question the world rankings i've never questioned them because i know how hard it is to get to the top yeah. of them and he's gone on a phenomenal run won tournaments and has been rewarded by getting to world number one he's done it quickly yeah really quickly. so it's not like i guess they are volatile when you look at them like that when you can get to the, the, be the best in the world so quickly but they don't lie because they're over a two year period so you've got to play consistently well and when you win huge events against incredible fields guess what you're going to shoot up that world ranking mm, you're beating the best players regularly aren't you in the biggest tournaments well we, one thing we were saying on our last episode of the podcast is that like certainly for this open coming up now there's so many players who you wouldn't be surprised if they won. There's such a strong field out there. Has is this one of the strongest kind of fields you've ever seen? You think in your career, or has there been periods where there's been loads of guys that could win? It feels like at the moment there's just so many names, like Dustin Johnson, obviously Scotty Scheffler, you know John Rahm, Spieth, etc. Could go on. There's loads of guys. I don't look at it like that. No, I think there, you know, there's been strength in depth for the last. 25 years you know certainly since Tiger came on the scene he's elevated everybody's level of play and made everybody more professional and that in turn has mm. made strength of fields deeper you know everybody nobody leaves anything to chance anymore since he came on the scene so you know professional golfers are 
more rounded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they tick more boxes now. Well, they, they need to be. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to fall back. Yeah, one thing about the, the Open Championship, it's at St Andrews gives everybody a chance. Mm. You know, it's not a bomber's golf course, although length's always an advantage on any golf course if you hit it straight. But you look at winners around there, you've got big hitters back in, you know, John Jack, Daly. Jack's day. Jack yeah. was a big hitter. Tiger, John Daly. And then you've got... Zach Johnson. Likes of Zach Johnson. Yeah. Louis not short, but he isn't one of, he, one of the sort of bombers. He's more of a... He's, I guess... He's more aesthetically pleasing, isn't he? Yeah. He does everything nicely. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know... Different players have played. I think back to Faldo winning there. Yeah. Not, not the longest, but people in contention with Greg Norman and Payne Stewart. Uh, I think Ian Baker Finch was up there. So yeah. it does. It's it, it does suit everybody really. Are you looking forward to it this year? Yeah, I am. Um, I always look forward to the Open Championship, and I always look forward to ones at St Andrews just a little bit more. Mm. They just seem to encapsulate the Open Championship when it's when it's at St Andrews. Mm. Just like a, it's just like a magical atmosphere. I feel like, obviously, the, we just talked about before, record-breaking crowds there this year. I was up there just this week, and the grandstands are going up, and it just feels so exciting. And a lot of the players we spoke to, a lot of people who are, are going, it just feels a bit different this year. Mm. Whether it's the, because it is the hundred and fiftieth, whether it is because it's kind of there's so many big names as we just mentioned, kind of playing really well, and obviously Tiger saying he's committing to it and things like that. It just feels like it's got an air that's that's way bigger than what I've experienced before. But I might be wrong. Have you known an Open Championship in kind of your career that's, that's felt bigger than this? I haven't really noticed it. So I, w- I would have to say, no, it, it, you know, I try and treat all tournaments the same. Um, it's, But like I said before, the Open Championship does always feel a little bit more special when it's, when it's at St Andrews. Um, but I don't get that feeling. I think, you know, media and people like that are, are building it up because it's the 150th and it's a story for... I mean, you've got nothing else to write about in golf at the moment. Have you? So, uh, <laughs> might as well big the open up this year. Yeah, absolutely nothing at all to talk no. about. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, again, probably you, you're probably not far wrong. Like, I, fe- I feel, like, super excited about it. But like I say, we're working in the but golf think media it's, business. It's when you're going as a fan as well, though. Yeah. Like, I loved Carnoustie. Obviously, for you guys playing, it's an amazing golf course. But as a fan, it's kind of quite secluded on its own. Yeah. But when you know you're going to that town with the hustle and the bustle of the whole, the week's like, festivities yeah. as such, I'm excited for that. Do you not think COVID's done that, though? You know, everybody had two Possibly, years of, uh, yeah. you know, restrictions and not being able to go to sporting events and, you know, had that taken away and now mm. everybody's kind of been let off the lead, haven't they? Yep. And, uh, you know, they're, they're appreciating being able to do stuff like that yeah, more. So, you know, it certainly felt like that at the Masters. You got a bit of sense of that as well. Like everyone yeah. was like, whoa, this is, yeah. this is big. Great to be back, yeah. Exactly. I think, uh, going back to your point a minute ago about these players and, and everyone looking stronger, it's probably, again, exactly what you mentioned, because the golf media and golf analysis and Sky and golf channel and everything else make such a big deal about who's going to win the next mm. major. Like, you, you could analyse it till, you know, death yeah. going through the top mm. 100 100 players to say he'll win they'll win this one where i feel like probably 30 years ago that wasn't the case because social media obviously wasn't as big and it wasn't as analyzed as such yeah i mean you've got more stats now and you and it's yeah everything's so analytical that uh, yeah it's it's just broken down isn't it? are you quite analytical i to pay a certain amount of attention to stats but they can lie a lot of the time. Depends how you interpret them. So, really? Yeah. What are the ones that you focus on mainly? <laughs> the score. At the end of the week. <laughs> score and winning checks. Yeah. yeah the bank balance. Yeah. 
Um, when you look at like greens in regulation, you could be an aggressive player. You know, the professional game now, they put pins on three yards from the edge. If you hit it on the fringe, three yards from the, or three, three yards and a couple of inches from the hole. And it's and a miss green, but it's really. a miss green, but you, you know, it's better than being 40, 45 feet from yeah. front edge just on, isn't it? Yeah, so, of course. And then it, and then that skews your putting stats, doesn't it? Yes, of course. You because go, cause if, you, if you two put, it goes down as a one put. Yeah. But, you know, was it a better two put from 45 feet away or so I, I, I pay a little bit of attention to them. I do. I, I look at the strokes gained on certain things at the end of the week, just because that's a good indication of how you played or, you know, how your putting's been. But yeah. uh, I don't, I don't go into it into the depth that some of the lads that go into it. I've, I've always played golf on, on feel a lot. And uh, I know which parts of the game are letting me down. That's the way I've always felt like I've swung the golf club as well. You know, I look, I've, I've always looked at it on, I mean, I don't know who doesn't, but I've always looked at it on video camera and thought, oh, I don't like the way I'm swinging it there, or, you know, that looks wrong, or I need to work on that. Um, I've never looked at, looked at it and thought, oh, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I guess that sums golf up, doesn't it? Well, I think everyone's also hypercritical of themselves and their, their techniques yeah. a lot of the time as well. Mm. Do, you, do you feel like you've got a really strong kind of, like, golf knowledge, like, technique knowledge? Of my own swing, yes. I'm I'm not very good at giving lessons. Really, I'm not very good at looking at somebody and saying, "Oh, yeah, he's doing that." Or, you know, I, I, I'll sometimes I'll stand behind say Pete Cowan or somebody like that that I've been having lessons with, and they'll see two swings and go, "Oh, yeah, well, he did, 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 needs to do that." And 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 I'll be like, "Has he seen that? Well, that looks <laughs> all right to me." Um, and and their knowledge of in general and of you know the eye for being able to see stuff is incredible. Whereas I, I really only know about my own swing and what makes me play well, which has been an advantage over the years because, you know, if, I, um, if I've got a two-shot lead in a final round of a tournament and I go out and I play the first five, six holes poorly, I feel like I'm swinging it. I can fix Self-correct. myself. That's yeah. good. Do you ever teach your kids? I, I teach Sam a little bit, but I, I've, I've sent him to somebody else. He's, he's lads and dads, isn't he? He's not going to listen to me. A million percent. So... Uh, is it, fr- he, he, is he it does frustrating? Listen to me a little bit more. I'll send him away for a lesson. And I'll go. What did you tell you? Oh, you tell me what you tell me. I'll say, Great, it's cost me hundred quid for you to <laughs> listen to somebody say what I said. Do you remember? I was I was number one in the bloody world. Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah, don't listen to me. What would I know? Yeah. <laughs> Does it frustrate you that? No, no. I I never listened to my dad as much as I should have done. So. <laughs> Has yeah. he got any kind of potential? Is he is he showing good potential? Yeah, he's a pretty good player. Yeah. Yeah, he's sort of plus plus one, plus two. Nice. Um, but he started l- late, so he's just playing catch-up and he needs to play more tournaments. His, uh, his course management and the way he thinks his way around a golf course is, is poor at the moment. You still caddy for you every now and again, Sam, as well? Yeah, now and again, yeah. Has, has that helped him learn your traits, your course management to help him in his own game, would you say? Yeah, I'm sure he picks up stuff from watching me. and Yeah, we caddy for, caddy for him at the Ryder Cup. And, uh, you know, I... It's good for me because I tend to talk him through stuff. Yeah. So uh, it kind of reinforces what I'm trying to do in my own mind because no. I'm like kind of giving him a lesson. Ah, uh, so you ex- you quite verbally. Yeah, and when I am giving him. him a lesson, I, I, I sort of he's got a lot of the it, with it, he's, he's watched me, so he's got a lot of the faults that I've got. He swings it quite similar. Yeah. So if I'm giving him a lesson, when I go out and hit balls later on, I start to hit it better because I'm thinking about the right things about what I've told him. Of course. And they, and they apply to me. So, you know, it, it's golf's strange like that. And obviously you're in 
very unique situation where you have Helen on the bag. Mm. Is that, most of the time is that? Would you say that's yeah eighty ninety percent of the time Helen's on the bag? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, she's not uh, caddying next week at the British Masters, but she's doing the two after that: the Byron Nelson and the PGA. And funny I, story about the PGA last year. Go on. We were going around Kira Island, and she's she's obviously not a golfer. She she only started caddying for me. A few years ago. Does she play at, at all, by the way? She swings it all right, and she can hit it quite good, but she's just not, not got a time. Yeah. yeah. So we're at the PGA at Keyware Island, and uh, it gets to, I think it was Thursday afternoon, and she's looking around, and she's like, can I tell you something? She goes, I go, yeah, yeah. She says, well, I'm looking on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I thought, Westy's here a bit early. He doesn't normally turn up to t- tournaments on Tuesday, and there's a lot of people here. So I had a look online last night, and, this is a major championship, you know, this P- the, the PGA. She <laughs> 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 had no idea the PGA was a major... We, we, we were playing Thursday afternoon or whenever it oh was. Oh, my was, God. Yeah, she, she'd she only figured out the night before there was a major championship. I thought, what a great way to view the game of golf. Yes. yes. And do you think that's re- do you think that's really helped you? Like she, yeah, if she definitely doesn't, rubs she off She doesn't, me, like, yeah. big it up. Yeah, no. She says, come on, let's go for another walk around a big green field. Really? Which is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. And, and hit it, find it, hit it again. Really? And she just literally, you don't, she doesn't give you, I'm guessing, yardages, you do all your own yardages. Sometimes she tries to get involved and she'll look at me and she'll go, mm, uh, five. <laughs> and I'll go, mm, nearly. It's a seven. <laughs> so it's like that time when I carried for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's crazy. Do you yeah. think when you're, when you're newer in your career, you benefit from having a professional caddy? And obviously, yeah. you're at the point now where you've done this obviously enough times, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like I said earlier, it's my 20, well, it depends who you listen to, but it's my 20, 2019 <laughs> season. Yeah. 33rd season <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've had lots of great caddies yeah. and, and I've learned off them. And I, d- I, I feel like it's more important for me now to make my own decisions and be completely clear in my own mind than have somebody else telling me how they see see a shot or something like that. Now, a, a, a kid coming on tour who's learning the ropes and like Sam, if Sam was to start, then I would suggest that he get a, a good caddy straight away that could, you know, Im- improve his game management that had seen the way other people... Like, say, like a Billy Foster, for example. Yeah. If Sam had Billy Foster, Billy Foster, you know, his course management of a golf course is, is brilliant and he's learnt from Seve and... Sergio Garcia and me and Darren and people like that, and uh, he could impart that that knowledge. But you know, I'm old now and I've I've got all that knowledge, so it's more important for me to go out there. Even if I make the wrong decision out there, it's important for me to be a hundred percent committed to that, that decision. Yeah, and it, and it be my decision, even if it's the wrong one, as opposed to being set fifty percent committed to what might be the right decision. Yeah, so that's the way I'm viewing golf now. Do you think, let's say, in a five years' time, Sam makes it? He's out on tour. He's playing in this PJ event or something, you know, major. <laughs> Would you caddy for him? He couldn't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> I caddied for him once at uh, down at Wheatley in a in an amateur tournament, just one round, and he brought the carry bag. And after about fifteen holes, I was absolutely knackered, and I thought. Oh, God, don't know how the caddies do this. I could, <laughs> I could never do this. <laughs> really, yeah. that's so funny. And then, I, I, so I'd driven him down there, and then, I, and I drove him back. I slept so well that night. Oh my goodness! Yeah, because it's it is hard graft, hard isn't it? Work, being a caddy, I, I, honestly, it, it, this, that is a. I just picked it up this morning and put it in my car boot, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm glad I don't have to carry this. Oh my goodness! 
that is great. Um, right, we've asked about the highlights. A more tough question. What would you say the lowest part of your career has been? The, the low, you know... I had a slump in uh, about 2001, 2002. Um, it, it, when I won the... It was weird because I won the Order of Merit in 2000 and towards the end of 2000, I was being coached by Pete and I, and I said to Pete, I, you know, my swing don't feel right. I can feel me... I can, I can feel like something's wrong. I'm not going through the right positions. I felt like I swung it fantastic on my best in, say, ni- 98 and 99. And then in 2000, I sort of won the money list on confidence you know a bit like Scotty Scheffler's playing on confidence now I, I was played on in, on confidence in 2000 won the order of merit but you know just felt like there was something wrong and and then I took a big break going into 2001 and kind of lost my timing and lost that confidence and then couldn't really get it back and it took me two c- t- couple of years and wow um you know just taking responsibility for my own game and my own golf swing more to get it back, really, rather than listening to too many people. I did like all people do and went and got too many opinions. And yeah. Then, you know, your brain gets cluttered and that's just not the way to play golf because there's more to it than just swinging it perfectly. Did you ever, in that period of time, like, really consider this isn't going to work out? Yeah, you thought about jacking it in a couple of times, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's just not me, though. I was going to say, how would uh, like, yeah. you get that's through why those that's times? That's why I'm still hanging around like a bag, bad smell now. <laughs> and, you know, 29 years later, you know, I, I just don't have any give up in me. And where did that? Where did you feel like that came from? Do you reckon that was instilled from your parents? Yeah, I guess brought up properly. Um, you know, not works up in the in the 80s. You know, minor strikes and stuff like that happening early 80s wasn't wasn't. The best, it, uh, you know. Don't get me wrong. I had a great childhood, and and I was brought up properly. But you know, it's not the not the greatest place mm-hmm. to, you know, be brought up. It had its troubles, and and you know, you just they're instilled in you, aren't they? From from like your friends and the community that you come from, and you know, that's never really left me. I've always felt you know lucky to be doing something that I love because I know, you know, talking to my careers officer at sixteen years of age, I was given the option of sandwich factory or the bachelor peas factory and wow you know golf's a much better option than just, those yeah, two exactly and did you did you at that point i know we've just been through this at 16 did you have that goal to become a professional golfer at that point do you feel yeah at some level yeah yeah i didn't know what level it was going to be but i knew that i wanted to be involved in golf at some level do you think now more modern players have still got that grit that 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 deep ingrained hard work grit that players from your era or the era before had that made them so successful yeah i do i do uh certain ones yeah i think a lot of them are uh almost too groomed you know as maybe college players or you know they they're looked after too well yeah you know they're given they're given too much too early like perfect practice facilities, yeah. perfect equipment yeah. straight away, the be- the best coaching straight away. Yeah, that's a knock-on effect of Tiger, isn't it? You know, and that's why there are so many good players that swing it technically so good now because they they they're getting coached better, they're getting they've got nutritionalists, so they're eating better, they're working out better. You know, when I came on tour, we didn't really go in the gym that much, and you know, know about foods and yeah. 
There'd have been no physio truck yeah, and th- uh, events, I guess. Yeah, no, no. It uh, that came on tour about ten years, I guess, after I started. Yeah, there'd have been um, no like mobile gyms and things like yeah, that. We weren't ta- we weren't taking trainers around with us and psychologists and stuff like that. So every li- golf's been broken down, and every little aspect of it's been fine tuned for of course for all the players. So you know, it's you see the grittiest ones; they're the ones that win more often. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, I think you only find that grit and that determination, obviously, when it's not going well. Like when you mentioned you're going through that low point, that's when you figure out your grit. Yeah, you do. You find out more about yourself when you're playing badly than when you're playing well. You Don't, don't get me wrong, you do learn about yourself when you're playing well, but you learn about more important things when you're playing badly. If you're... You, going back to the gritty thing, um, you see... The grittiest ones win tournaments when they're not playing well. Yeah, mm. you, you definitely see that. Yeah, they can just grind it out. Yeah, can't like they? Jordan Spieth. Yes, a couple of weeks ago, he's a gritty player. Yeah, you know, you, you know, he's somebody that you wouldn't want to play in in match play. He must be. In, have you played him in match play? I guess. Yeah, I beat him one up. There you go. <laughs> when you watch <laughs> it, I wonder why you were bringing that story up. <laughs> yeah, he's so gritty, he's so gritty. But yeah, I beat him. Is he just like? I bet he's a pain in the ass to play against, isn't he? Yeah, anybody like that you, that you know is not going to give up, like a Poulter or yeah. Uh, trying to think of somebody else. Well, uh, lots of the people I've played in my my career, um, I played Jeff Maggott in my first Ryder Cup, Scott Verplank, yeah. people like that, Tom Lehman in in, in uh, Boston, just horrible to play. They're never going to give up. You yeah. know, the gritty, almost dirty players. Yeah, you know, as dirty as you can be. Like, uh, like they're, they're almost like that. That. Dennis Wise, like yeah. midfield yes. character yeah. that's going to go down the back of your leg. Yeah, you know, like a, a Roy Keane yeah, type. Yeah, Roy Keane, yeah. yeah. You can't talk about Roy Keane, like Forest player, obviously. Your <laughs> <Good> class. <laughs> well, he's fallen out of love with my team, certainly. <laughs> um, so obviously, we touched on, on match play a little bit there. What What's your favourite Ryder Cup memory? Oh, the final day in Chicago, when we come yeah. from, came from so many points behind. It'll, it'll, for me, it'll never get any better than that, I don't think. It was phenomenal. Yeah, um, emotional. You'd have to say K Club in uh, with Darren Clark. With Darren, yeah, walking on the first tee. There, I think we were mm. all in tears, all welled up. Um, but they were all special. You know, even the ones you, you you lose. Yeah, you're on the wrong end of. You know, you still take great memories from. Yeah, I believe the parties, even if they lose, are still better. Unfortunately, I can't remember any of the parties. <laughs> I can remember going to them, but I can never remember leaving them. Do you find that once you've been in a Ryder Cup with, you know, obviously players that then for years later on tour, you have a better bond with those players and a better relationship? Yeah. You know, without the Ryder Cup, I wouldn't have got to know Sergio as well as I have or, you know, Luke Donald. Mm. Um, and, it, and then, you know, in later t- times, it's nice to have, you know, played with people like Jamie Donaldson and, you know, shared those experiences with people yeah. like him and Martin Keimer and Soren Hansen are partnered. So. Who, who's your dream? Who's been your dream partner? If if let's say the Ryder Cup is tomorrow and, y- and you could partner anybody that you've partnered with in the past, who would you pick? It'd be a tough one. It'd be a toss up between Clarkie or Sergio, I think. And is that because of your games of style suit or because personalities suit? Personalities and games with Darren and I think Sergio is one of the the best ball strikers and drivers of the golf ball to ever play the game. He is, well, it's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? And he's got that gritty... Yeah, never gives up. Uh, yeah. If you could partner in a made-up world 
And if you could partner with a ta- with a American player, who would it be? Well, even though he's not got the greatest of records, it'd be Tiger. Yeah. But, you know, that's... I mean, who wouldn't? I feel like you pretty and, good, isn't he? He's pretty decent. <laughs> he's right, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you. I feel like you and Spieth would be a tough match. <laughs> if it, yeah, people Jordan playing against you, with, yeah, yeah. Anybody that can make them ten footers when they need them is a good partner in Ryder Cup. Exactly. You know, when you talk about these players and, and obviously being great players and good players, like obviously you're an amazing golfer and you absolutely strike the golf ball so pure, as a lot of these guys clearly do. How often do you walk down the range and event and see someone and think? He hits it different. Is there many of those guys out there that are almost just just other level of just striking, or is that just not happen when you're on tour? No, no. I'll walk up and down the range, and there's the odd player that I'll stand and watch. Mm. Um, they just you can set you can hear the sound, can't you? You know, you'll walk down the range and you'll hear a sound, and you think, yeah, he's a flusher. Really? So I'll stand and watch someone like Rory, maybe or Rory. Give, give us give us like a been. top five of like flushers. <laughs> flushers. Well, I mean, there's there's guys that you wouldn't immediately put into your top, you know, you wouldn't think. But, you know, I'd walk down a range and say Angel Cabrera in his A-Day um, and another Argentine, Eduardo Romero. Um, you know, my early days of not being on tour, Howard Clark, Barry Lane, people like that yeah. that really compressed the ball. Right. Well. And did you ever, like strive to to get that to that level did you ever pick their brains and go how are they doing that or did you ever speak to pete cowan and go i want to hit it like those guys can, not, I, can not, I be a flusher not really because i hit it like that you know i, I you know i've always been a good striker mm. in the golf ball so. do, do you think more do you think people would put you in their flusher category yeah probably good yeah that's class yeah. What is it then? Is it that like you said that compression? Because I've heard it before that different noise when you see an elite golfer. Yeah. Like today, we're lucky we're going to see you hit some shots today. Like well, it might not be there. Today. <laughs> Rick might have a little chat. But it still sound very different to the way well, I hit is it. Is it because obviously you're fast? But does amateurs who will be fast? Is it just that compression, the I'm angle fast of attack at the right time? Yeah, right, the right angle of attack. Yeah, yeah, and, and just see all them guys that men- Yeah, you see all them guys that I've mentioned. They look long irons, brilliant. Right, that's really the the telltale the sign. Set test, yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned obviously Spieth, but who who would you say has had the without probably the obvious names, but like who's got the best short game? Who's like short game you ever seen? And like, bloody hell, if I had that short game, I would have done X in my career. Oh, Phil's Phil's got a great short game. Tiger's got an unbelievable short game. Um, Jason Day. A few years ago when yeah, he got to yeah. world number one, I played with him, played some incredible chip shots. Yeah. Um, you know, Brett Rumford, unbelievable bunker player. Do you ever do you ever get, and it's just a kind of side question, do you ever get like some of these players who, let's say Jason Day, who has obviously got to world number one, he was killing it, he's kind of struggled a little bit now. Do they ever kind of ring you up or lean on you for any advice, like words of wisdom? Uh, I don't give my number out like that. <laughs> That's why it took you 128 episodes. <laughs> you got better memory on numbers than I have anyway. <laughs> I even have to check what num- what episode number up to. Um, Danny Willett's got an unbelievable short game. Yeah. Unbelievable short game, yeah. Do you feel that you're you're in a position now, or, or have you been in the position where you'd almost be more like a, a mentor to some young players coming up? Yeah, I suppose I would now, yeah. yeah. Or have you resisted before this point? Or No, I've always... I've always been open, you know, with people walking up and down the range. A lot of people ask me stuff. 
and uh, you know I volunteer the information. What kind of stuff like swing things or just general advice yeah, or yeah, it might be scheduling or you know golf coaches who go and see or you know a lot of the a lot of the young kids do come up to me now and you know ask me my opinion on certain. How things. much do you want to give them though? Because you're still so competitive. Do you not feel like I've got confidence in myself that I can tell them? Yeah. Do you well, think that's taken? I'll be honest with them. Yeah. yeah. Has that taken time to get to that point? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. 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 You don't. You don't want to give too much away. Of course. Is there any like up and coming stars that you've seen that maybe are not on the radar that you think, oh my god, they've got ridiculous potential? Well, they are on the radar, really. The the Hoygaard twins. You know, I'll walk down the range and probably pronounce that wrong, but anyway, Rasmus and Nikolai. Oh yeah, call them. And uh, you know, I stand and watch that, hit them at balls. It's just a matter of time before they go big time. Yeah, they'll they'll break out and they'll go and play in America or wherever. Probably America, and then their game will come on leaps and bounds because they've turned pro young and started on the European tour, and they've got a bit bit more of a foundation than some of the kids that will come out of college. Yeah, because do you reckon that again? Because of it's not been as pampered for them as such. They've had to go through that little bit of grit. Yeah, I just think you you have to grow up quicker. If you're playing the European tour, there's more experiences and challenges thrown your way. Yeah, more travel. You yeah, plan a lot more things. Yeah, they're doing it all for you if you come out of college. Yeah, you're in a team. Exactly. Yeah, it does. It certainly does feel that way. Like when, and I don't know whether that's just because it because of America and everything's done so kind of corporately and and they, mm. they do hospitality so great. It's like I say it's always that pathway. But I feel like when in Brooks Kepka came over to. Europe didn't he in the, the yeah. European tour for a long time and he talked about his experiences going yeah. through that how it taught him so much made him a gritty player you know yeah. like we were talking about early on um yeah good good under pressure now again I feel like I'm going to get this stat wrong but <laughs> you've won five times on five different continents well done so far <laughs> <laughs> Is, do, you, do you feel like do you have to change your game a lot to win on all these different types of golf courses, or do you just stick with what you've got? Do you have to? Do you have to make many adaptions? You always have to adapt to your surroundings and environment you're playing in. Um, and what made you good at that? Playing, playing in a lot of different places. Right. Yeah. Traveling. I think I've won in 19 different countries, which is wow, my goodness, I think eight more than like the next best, which is that's ridiculous. Ernie and Gary Player. So wow. Um, yeah, you just have to. You have to be able to adapt, not 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 that much, but certainly you know, putting at Augusta is different to putting here at Close House. Putting at these two places is different to going and putting at Saujana in Kuala Lumpur yeah. with grainy greens. It'll be different at the Open Championship yeah. at St Andrews. Yeah. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 
Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Playing at St Andrews at sea level, heavy, windy is different than playing in Colorado or Johannesburg. Yeah. It's in a ball going a mile. And you only get that through experience, don't you? Yeah. You can't just go to these places and just expect to know it, can you? Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, it's that that's the value of being experienced or the value of having a good caddy yeah an experienced caddy like we were talking about earlier on yeah because they've they if the if the player's not done it at least the caddy Caddy's you'd like it. to think has done it and talk them through and it continued yeah. you forget there's so much difference though in my head i just think there's like parkland yeah, course and lynxes I I was and links, but you think saying like the altitude yeah. the grain the weather a lot the, the thickness heat. of the air yeah, the heat yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not even that, if you're playing in, in obviously very hot weather and you walk in four or five miles a day, four days, five days in a row, even that can take its toll. Yeah, that's why we're all finally tuned up. Like <laughs> but you do, you, in all seriousness, you put a lot into into your workouts, into your health, don't you? Like, I've seen you smashing the peloton. Are you still pelotoning a lot? Yeah. And crossfit? Yeah, I, and yeah, I have to do that more than it balls now, you know, because at 49, you know, your body doesn't behave like it did at 27 and... You have to you have to adapt your training and you know your approach to the game. Yeah, reinvent yourself really. Do you do you feel or wish if you could rewind? Would you have started it earlier? Like, would you have if you if you hmm. could have grown up being this kind of like gym goer? Do you think that would have massively helped you in your game of golf? Yeah, I definitely think so. I would uh, I would suggest that anybody coming out for a few different reasons, really, but. I would I would suggest anybody coming out now, you know, starts working out and looking after the body as early as possible. You see a lot of kids starting younger than I started. So I started at 13, let's say. You see a lot of kids being having a golf club put in their hand at five years of age. Big time. And golf, you're doing the same movement over and over again. And you're seeing them get injuries. Yeah. Because the body's not developed. You know, like we were talking about, I played football and rugby and cricket and swam and, and ran a lot. So I, my body developed to a certain extent as I was growing up and got balanced and strong in all the right areas. Some kids come out and they're not doing anything else. You know, the parents are maybe a bit over overbearing and Tiger's their hero and they stick a club in their hand at six years of age and they think they're going to be the next Tiger Woods and 
at 16, they've got a back injury because yeah. they've just been doing the same thing over and over again, not doing the gym work, just been sent out into a range to hit balls and, you know, have a lesson. And also probably falling out of love with it a bit. Yeah, you like, see them, you see them, you can see them at 17, 18, you know, hating the game. Yeah. It's They've horrible. They've been pushed into it so fan. much. However, I feel like obviously through your incredible career, 27 years. Nine. 29. <laughs> 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 You've not really been injured through that kind of time frame, but like you look at now modern players like a Bryson DeChambeau, obviously out on injury, like, and he's, he's pushed yeah. himself. He took it to the extreme, hasn't he, though, with the strength? And I think I think there's a little bit of luck involved there with injuries. I, 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 I tore my calf muscle in 2010. Um, it was out for a few weeks. But other than that, I haven't really had too many injuries. Started to feel, you know, my lower back couple of years ago, three years ago. Some, sometimes it's, as I get heavier, you know, carrying a bit more weight gives me a bad back. So I have to monitor, you know, what I weigh. Um, but embarked on a bit of a stretching regime um, two or three years ago, and I don't have any issues with that now. But, you know, that's 15, 20 minutes, five times a week. Do you think modern players are going to have short careers? Do you think they're going to earn more, almost more like smash and grabs a bit more? Possibly. I think, you know, it would be different things for different players. But I'm just thinking from like a, a longevity standpoint, like do you think that the way that these golfers now are putting themselves through these kind of yeah. rigmaroles, do you think that they're going to last 29-year careers? Well, I assume you're thinking just about Bryson. Who's, no, who, just, just... But I suppose Jason Day used to go at yeah. it like 110%. Yeah, and Bryson's been... Back issues and stuff like that. He's like the high-profile one, but there's also a lot coming through the ranks. Yeah. Like, you think, are they going to be able to keep this up for long periods of time? Well, golf's not a tippy-tappy game anymore, is it? No. You know, you've got to... You've got to hit it a long way, try and overpower golf courses. That's just the way they're designing golf courses and the way people start to see the game now, don't they? So um, that could encourage people to go at it harder and, and more injuries. You unless, they, unless they start working out and treating their bodies appropriately, you know, and putting the foundations in there to be able to swing it at those kinds of speeds. When you were having those kind of duels with Bryson, like Bay yeah. Hill and things like that, did, did you think at that point, God, I'm a long way behind this guy? Or did you, obviously you were still competing and still in the final day together. Like, did, did, or did it still feel like you could play? And well, obviously well that's the great thing about golf, and you don't, I don't have to play him at his game. Yeah. You know, there's lots of different ways to win golf tournaments. Um, he's 26 or 7 or whatever, and I'm 48, 49. So, you know, I'm not going to hit as far as him. Nobody does. Yeah. So you have to find another way to get around the golf course in one less than him. Unfortunately, exactly. I didn't quite manage it at Bay Hill, but yeah. uh, I did manage it the following week at the players. So, exactly. Um, yeah, that, that that for me is the interesting thing about golf. It, you know, there's all of a sudden there's a Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. All of a sudden there's a Bryson DeChambeau. All of a sudden there's somebody that's maybe a little bit shorter. Yeah. Yeah. There's no there's no one way, is there? No. There's no one and, way and, to shoot and, a sixty five four times. That keeps or whatever. it interesting, doesn't it? Exactly. One hundred percent. We've got, I know we've got like we normally fire start questions with here. these, don't we? And we've kind of got them up at the end now, but the kind of quick fire questions, either or answers. But if you want to elaborate, feel free. Um, so, number one, nine holes or the driving range? Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> quick fire. You've got, you've got two hours what? to spare. Driving what do you range. enjoy more? Driving range. Do you enjoy uh, the driving range more? Nine holes. Yeah, driving range. 
first app you open in the morning on your phone? Quickfire. Sorry. No, I like that. I like that. I want to make sure it gets the right answer. Twitter, WhatsApp. Uh, alarm clock. <laughs> uh, turn it off. Do you get quite, are you quite an early bird? Uh, yeah. As I've got older, I've slept less, which I hate about myself. Because I used to be able, I used to be, used to call me half man, half mattress. I used to like sleep, <laughs> sleep the clock round. And as I've got older, I've turned into my dad, her parents, you know, getting going, getting up early. And what time is that? Like a six o'clock? Is that earlier than that? Yeah, whatever the la- time the light starts pouring through the curtains. You know? Oh, really? And then, are you, unfortunately, are you, are you up? Are you working out? Are you chilling out? Are you having a coffee? Or you're scrolling like we end up doing? Um. Yeah, I'll I'll spend like everybody else fifteen twenty minutes looking through Instagram or yeah. something like that. You, whatever you put on, obviously, <laughs> obviously, thank you. Hundred twenty eight podcasts to hide. God, get rid of that. Yeah. Um, I've been jet lagged for twenty nine years, which uh, you know makes sleeping awkward. You have that, yeah. I bet. There's not not many times like you know you've you've slept in a lot of different bloody beds around the world yeah. like you know it's that yeah. i mean it's nice just to be at home and i bet you wish you could lie until 11 o'clock whatever i said that to somebody uh yesterday they said oh you must have you know you, you must have seen a lot of the world they said i've seen a lot of airports golf courses and hotels around yeah. the world but i haven't actually seen a lot of the world do you wish you had been done to a, a bit lot more yeah, do you wish you'd done that more yeah it would be nice to be able to go a few days early and you know take in the sides but it's you not know, doable is it when you're playing 30 tournaments a year you you know mm. it's about Private jets have been the biggest luxury in my life. They've afforded me so much time yeah, to do o- o- other stuff. You know, sometimes flying around in a private jet saves you a day a week when you think about, yeah. you know, having to leave on a uh, Monday instead of, or, or, you know, a jet. So, you know, it, when I was f- playing a lot in Europe and I was flying, I would turn I would turn up to a tournament on a Wednesday morning, play the pro-am in the Wednesday afternoon as a practice round, whereas, you know, if I didn't have that luxury, I'd be going on a Monday and then having a practice on yeah, Tuesday yeah. and sometimes not getting back on a Sunday night if I've played really well miss the flight home but if you if you've got a, a NetJets contract like I have you know, I can get out this so is a question that's I've been always the biggest to, luxury in my life this is a question sure. I've always wanted to know right you're flying to I'm trying to think New York mm. okay from wherever Newcastle or wherever what is actually faster a commercial flight or a, or a private jet oh I would never fly private that far can expensive. it not go that far? Can it? Can well, it, it go across? Trans- yeah, Atlantic. but it's just too expensive. Really? Yeah. So this um, is more. I would fly Newcastle to Heathrow and then Heathrow JFK. Right. Okay. If and yes, I do take my own golf clubs with me as well. That's how I get them there. <laughs> if you w- if you did have and again, I, I'm just more curious because I don't I don't fly private jet. I don't know if you know this. If you were to fly commercial or private from Newcastle to New York, which plane would win? A private jet's fast, that's what I'm trying to work out. Yeah, they're quick, yeah. <laughs> there you go, Rick. That's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got fly the same speed as the jets fly the same speed well, as you any must other save player. time with all, all the checking in you and all change, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and you can you fly just, when you want. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and you they've never lost my golf clubs. I'm when they're putting them in the car, yeah. the thing at old right behind you, you know they're going on. Yeah, and they're not gonna get damaged, they're yeah. not gonna get chucked about. Yeah. Um the next question I've got is actually I might tweak it. It was gonna be What's your favourite to play in, the Open or the Masters? Well, maybe we still have that, but is there any other events on tour that it's just your, for whatever reason, you just love playing? Uh, the Masters is yeah. my favourite tournament to play in. Um, the one I'd like to win the most is the Open. Mm. 
Um, there's a lot goes on the week of the Open that, as a British player, that you could do without. Um, the Masters, you you don't get it. Do you feel more pressure when Tiger you play the Open? Tiger and people like that take the yeah the flat those weeks and take all the pressure off you. Do you feel more pressure is applied in the in like the Open? You just want to play well in front of your home fans. You know, yeah. I've always en- enjoyed love playing in England and Britain. Um, so there's, there's a little bit more pressure wanting to please them. Yeah. Do you get a better re- rep- you know, reception? Let's say you're on the first seat of the Masters, they announce your name. I'm obviously, crowds cheer. Is it bigger? Is it more enthusiastic when it's at places like the Open? No, I don't think so. I've, I've always had a good reception anywhere I've gone and played. Right. And, and having been out there for so long, people have followed me for nearly 30 years now. So they've, I've grown up in front of their eyes. You know, I've gone from being 19 to 49. So they feel like they know me really well. Yeah. And you know you 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 kind of gain an affinity with the golf fans because yeah. you know it's, yes some of them are new ones but a lot of them are people that watched it in their twenties and now watch it in the fifties aren't yeah. they and they respect you they respect yeah. what you've done when you play in the pro ams and stuff which I'm guessing you obviously still do what's the single biggest thing you see amateurs do wrong um well. Their game management is poor, but their game management is only poor because they don't hit it consistently. Mm. So, you know, they'll not hit enough club a lot of the time. The, the the best question that I, I always get asked in programs <laughs> is, uh, what club do you think I should hit? <laughs> I said, well, how far have you got? 170 yards. I said, well, what do you hit 170 yards? Anything from a three iron to an eight iron. Well, so, how are you going to know? So, how am I going to know what you should hit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and are you planning on thinning this one? Yeah, yeah. Fatting it fatting like you it? did on the last? Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a, tr- you a tough question. Should definitely club up if you're going to hit fat like you did on the last. <laughs> that, yeah. But then they'll thin it, it'll go through the back. Yeah. And then you'll get the blame. Yeah. I knew I should have hit nine iron. That, you'll get that one. Well, should have hit nine iron. <laughs> this is one I'm dying to know. Um, I'm a bit of a golf equipment nerd. What's the favourite club you've ever owned? But maybe let's almost if you've got time, like driver irons and putter. Like, have you got a favourite? Like Ping G Ten, for example, was a beast. Like, yeah, I used that for years. Didn't yeah, I? I used to infuriate Ping because they'd be on like G Twenty, and I'd still be using yeah. G Ten. So like, good, that driver. Can you please use something up to date, some up to date equipment. And I was like, I really love the G Ten. Yeah. Eventually. Billy was carrying for me at the time and he says he said to me they're going to have to wrestle this thing out my hands for you to put anything else in your golf bag he, he was as passionate that, that way as well yeah, that yeah so beast. that's one that kind of and you still have it out. yeah I've got it somewhere I think such a nice head still yeah. I was looking we were in Octoloni second hand shop St Andrews and they had one because I used to use that driver and it's weird cause it's still a 460 but it looks quite small yeah but it's such a nice profile I think the the newest ones they're making now look a bit more like that. Obviously, mm. with modern technology and materials, a bit probably more mo- modern materials being used, and shafts have improved, haven't they? Shaft technology, even in the last twelve years or whatever it's mm. been. Um, but that's uh, I, I'm not a massive fan of the big flat-headed drivers that look like a frying pan on the end of the club. Yeah, I like something that looks a bit. Deep, deep-faced and chunky behind it. Are you into the tech of the clubs or do you just hit one? Yeah, that feels good. Or Can you not you... tell the way I've just described <laughs> the driver there? Flat like a frying pan and deep-faced and chunky. <laughs> That's with a new pink marketing for next year. It's not flat like a frying pan. Yeah. 
<laughs> you just give it to me and I hit it. And if it goes straight and a long way, then I, I like it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you reckon, do, they, do you have much influence like the engineers and stuff? Do you ever get a chance to... I do act? on putters a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah I like talking to the, the um, guys in the the putter lab design stuff, you know, the new stuff that Pinger brought out. I yeah. like talking to them about, well, you know, what they're thinking and the thoughts behind, because that changes all the time. Yeah, all big the, time. It's another thing that's been analysed to the nth degree, isn't it? Do you, t- do you tinker with your putter quite a bit? Uh, I changed. I used to change putters a lot, but I've been using this uh, fetch. Yeah, with the, uh, that goes in the hole you put it in yeah, to get the ball out. Yeah. Do you ever do that with it when you're just practising? I did it when I won in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> That's uh, so cool. I was going to do it... Um, where was it? I was going to do it somewhere else, but I was in the second last group. I thought I'll only do it if I'm in the if last group. If you're in the group, final group. In case I damaged the hole, which I didn't damage the hole, but... Uh, yeah, the, I said to the I said to the guys if, if I win Marty, I think it was in uh, in Phoenix. I said if I win tomorrow, I said I'll pick it out the old putter, and he's like, oh, you go, please do, please That's do, so you cool. know, make sure there's a video cam, make yeah. sure there's a camera I around. Did, I did. I tapped it in from about that far to win by a couple, and went like that and held my arms in the air. Nice. I, like, I told you I'd do it. There's my new P- contract. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite weird. Pinger obviously so well known for like the Anza family, the Anza shape and that's been so yeah. revolutionary but equally they've had some crazy designs, the actual oh, crazy. crazy. Yeah. They've the Dock 17 that was 17 centimetres. Yeah. yeah. Huge. And then obviously the Fetch. They have kind of pushed the boundary with different innovations. I've won with nearly all of them. <laughs> crazy was the crazy. you ever get to go in the, uh, the vault at Ping. Yeah, there's a bit. I've been in. And they make a gold one. Yeah. yeah, you get gold on for every time you win, I've don't you? have got a wall, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. A, a side That's when you've made it, you've got your own wall. The side yeah. of the vault. I think, <laughs> so a, I think I've got about 60 odd in there. That's you crazy. get them for rider cups. And oh, we wow. used to give them out for career money and stuff like that. Have you always been ping then all your career? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I had my first set of clubs when I was 14. Uh, I, I bought a set, or my mum and dad bought me a set of I2s, and I won the county championship. And ping found out that, you know, I played. I played ping. And they said, "Do you want to come down and we'll give you a set and you know we'll spec them all out for you?" And wow. So yeah, I've been about fourteen years of age. So I've played for, for nearly thirty-five years now. And I've been with Titleist for about the same. It's going to like forty-eight years or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been with Titleist for about the same amount of time. With you the know, ball. They started giving me golf balls when I was about sixteen. Yeah. What was the ball then? The Torbalata, or was it? Yeah, it was gutter percha or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it would have been Torbalata, I think, and then it went to... Professional after that, I think. Yeah. yeah. It was also Tor Prestige. God, you are a golf player. I told you, yeah, I am a bit. The reason I know about those balls, because as a junior, I wasn't that good at golf, I used to love a backspin comp. Oh, you so I'd keep a Torbalata. You'd have loved the Tor Edition. Tor That's Edition. the ball that you should have played. Spalding Tor Editions. It's like a I've heard of those ones. Remember Greg Norman used it. It cost him about eight majors. Oh, my word. Well, just spin spin off like a golf, just, off of oh green. Oh, my God. Yeah. I used to love soft golf balls. Yeah. You, I'm a what, nerd. What, what do you do with all the... It's probably the most often question I get asked. What do I do with all the golf clubs I test and stuff? What do you do with all your golf clubs? I, gi- I give them away. I sign them. Um, I sent a load to South Africa for people down there to oh, use. That's amazing. The few Charity. A few in the clubhouse here. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever keep any... Is there any ones that you just wouldn't ever give away, though? We've, I've... I'm guessing Not you've really. got that like G10 somewhere. Is there any like? It'd be in the garage. Is is, is is like a set that you've like you've won with that you're like I, I need to keep that set or? Not really. No. You're not that no. kind of precious with the clubs. Yeah. No. It's interesting. No. Right. Well, got a couple there's more ones on clubs. walls everywhere, aren't there? You know, there's one at Wentworth. Yeah. Winning the yeah, yeah. World match play. Yeah. At, at Derby. 
And somebody took a picture of the day and I thought, I wonder where that bird gone. <laughs> I've been looking for that. I gave it to them. What about like golf bags and stuff? I mean, I've, we've been yeah. here for like there's a lot here. A yeah, few. I mean that's not mine. That's, that's Alan's. Is. But yeah, there's one just in that side. There. Mine are all changed, turned into lamps and they're all changed to the wall and things well. like that. Yeah, I went to move that one before and it's literally changed. To the moved wall. that one before <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into his car boot. <laughs> yeah. But do you have many at home still? Many like is again? Is there any golf? I, I feel like. You, you're so like oh, blase about the equipment. There's no like really precious Ryder Cup bags that you've had or that you've still got at home. I'd I, I, I turn them into stuff like this and there's a lot here and there's a lot up at the academy that, you know, other people can enjoy looking at. No way. I've got the memories, and I? I don't need a golf bag. Well, Jonathan showed me the, which one was it? 97 Ryder Cup yeah. one. Yeah. And there was a Faldo ball still in it or something. Was it? A preset well, or a Bridgestone or something. When you partner file, that's quite really? cool. That's really cool. I didn't know that. It's on eBay. Just stick that on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's waiting for you to sign it. Um, couple more questions on here, then they are again quick ones. How do you like your steak cooked? Pittsburgh medium. What's a Pittsburgh medium? Chard on the outside and medium on the in. Okay, that works for me. I get mine well done, which gets frowned upon, but I like it. So don't judge. Have it how you like it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, yeah. Lee. Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> so next time goes to the restaurant, yeah. the woman pulls her face. Well, actually, Lee Westwood. Heathen. He's been on tour for 29 <laughs> years. He's been on tour for 29 years. 36 years he's been on tour for. <laughs> um, okay, two more. Most underrated golfer in your career? Someone that's been out there that just doesn't maybe get the media hype or hasn't won as much as he should or just someone that's just class but maybe not household name? Everybody gets the hype now, don't they, in the coverage? Mm. Maybe before the internet era, then it was like when you said before Barry Lane, like he's obviously a big name. Yeah. But I don't think you hear about us. He yeah. doesn't have that. Howard Clark, people like yeah. that. Mark James. Yeah, Mark James. These kind of coming to the were they kind of more coming to the end They're of all the right, career? All right, a couple players were, though, weren't they? So yeah. they got the uh, they got the, like the they did get the media accolades and stuff mm. like that, if you want to call it that. But uh, guy set up a uh, VJ Sing appreciation. Yeah, group. I loved VJ. Yeah, VJ. Oh, great story about, <laughs> not VJ, but Dave Rennick that caddied for VJ. And uh, he caddied for me in the years that I was struggling. And uh, great bloke, unfortunately passed away a few years ago. And he, he, he came to me when he was working for me and I was really struggling. And uh, I, and, he, and he was like the a top five in the in the world caddies probably. Caddied for Lazabal when he won the Masters and stuff like that. And he, said, he came to me and he was like, Lee, Lee, he says, VJ's uh, VJ wants me to go and work for me. He's offered me the job. He said, uh, "I said, Dave, if you don't take that job, I will." I'll go carry <laughs> for him. And he went off and carried for him. He won about ten events and oh went to world number, world number yeah. one. And it's like oh three oh four kind yeah, of time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Retief Goosen was really killing it as well around that time. I think as well. Yeah, Ernie would have been as yeah. well. VJ was is the hardest worker I've ever. I've heard. Was he big in the gym as well? Yeah, yeah. Before. Well, yeah, before we all really started doing it seriously, yeah. yeah would, but just the last one, first one on the range, the last one to leave it. Still now, do you think as well? Cleveland visor. Yeah, probably does it. I saw him at the Masters and he was... Shelling them. Yeah. Digging holes. That's madness. And when you say like, uh, really, are we talking like hundreds of hundreds of shots in a practice session? Yeah, he's renowned for it in thousands, I think. My God. Yeah, wore, you, you, wear, wear the range out. He used to go and practice at Sawgrass. Play it, you know, down the bottom yeah. end there where the players are loud, and he, you know, he'd, he'd wear it out. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, I for a video the other day, I had 500 shots, 
took me nearly six hours. My hands were absolutely killing. Every, the next day, I felt like I had the worst jet lag ever. So never mind trying to do that. <laughs> you like pulled a sickie mul- the next day. <laughs> multiple times. Did you improve? Now I go, well, well, tell him no. what the video was. I tried to get a hole in one for 500 shots. Right. Rip off of like the European tour video. Any good? No. Uh, some went Some close. great shots. <laughs> but like the odds are like, obviously, I think for a... For How many only ones have you had? Only one. Yeah. West Lanks, open qualifying, 17th hole. I've lost count. <laughs> Genuinely, Gen- honestly, honestly double count. figures. Yeah, 20-something. 20 20-something? 20 what? <laughs> Please tell me you've kept some of the golf balls <laughs> that you've had holding ones with. Joking. Oh, for goodness sake. You don't, sake. You don't, just you don't keep bags. everything. You don't keep anything. Keep a manky old tight list. <laughs> lob them away, don't you? Do you love them into the crowd? Yeah. Where was, away. When was the last one you had? the person yeah. that, you know, than it does me. Where was the last one you had? Uh, I had one on the 8th at Carnoustie. Oh, yeah. The amazing shot tracer one. Yeah. Did you see that? Had yeah. like a oh, no, I, had one in, I had one in the match play against Tuolatin a couple of years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, that... See Sergio hold it against me. Yeah, in the match yeah, play. yeah. What? A... <laughs> <laughs> I felt there was quite a few on that. Was it that, that hole in the corner? Didn't Tommy have one or get close as well that year? There was quite I a few. I wasn't playing Tommy, so I don't care about that. <laughs> playing Sergio. Beat me on the fourth extra. Ouch. Well, speaking of beating, my last question for you, Lee, was you're playing golf against Rick Shields. Sorry, hang on a minute. Let me finish off. Where was your rolling one? West Lanks. West Lanks. Yeah, 17th. Club? 7-iron. One, it was actually about 192, but it's dead burnt it's out. Downwind, eh? Open qualifying. Finno, <laughs> you know, Tommy was watching at the side. And believe it or not, like, I've, I've been doing YouTube for nearly 10 years now. There's not many shots I've hit that are not documented, that are not on video. <laughs> Bar this bloody that holy one. one <laughs> that's like, it's almost like hearsay. Like, it, yeah. did it actually happen? Luckily, it happened in a, an event at the Open Qualified and there were spectators there. But out of all the things I've ever recorded, the bloody, my only one wasn't proof. recorded. Yeah, it was so you annoying. Had witnesses. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're playing against me today. Right. This is the final question. And you, Rick's going to start off. You're starting level par, obviously, like a normal round of golf. Yeah. Rick's I'm starting minus 10. Will is you it beat stroke him? play or stroke match play? Stroke play. And what's the question? Will you beat him? No. Off the back, back tees. I've got to say, I haven't had the most ideal preparation for this <laughs> round of golf today. You've had a birthday, I've weekend, a birthday and, and a wedding. I've been to a wedding, which finished about one o'clock last night. So. <laughs> Um, it'll be close. I could probably get in his head. Can you shoot better I than if, really if you can shoot better than five of a par on this golf course? Which obviously you can. I think you've got a good chance. Yeah, <laughs> probably, he's probably imit- intimidated playing me as well. You yeah. know, having watched me on tour for twenty-seven years. Twenty. Yeah, he missed the first two. Probably wasn't born. <laughs> We've got some quick fire questions from some of the fans. Um, Nathan Hussein has asked, "Who would be your ideal grouping for the hundred and fiftieth Open?" That's a good question. There you go, Nathan. Uh, Usually, earlier. Nathan, we'll get you on the phone. <laughs> <a> guy <laughs> Actually, that was for me. That it's, was. Ni- it's nice to have a decent question for a change. <laughs> I don't know. Who do I enjoy playing with? Somebody not slow. Okay. Obviously. Name uh, and shame. Uh, <laughs> no, I think we all know who they are. The slow <laughs> ones. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really fussed. But come on, it's your dream. It's your, your, there, Open Championship. Ta- St. Andrews. Tiger. Tiger's yeah. always fun. And then what about... Like, like, have you got, like, a best friend? <laughs> can I be it? That's what Rick was hinting at. <laughs> have you not got, like, a best friend on tour can that you I think? Be, can I or, be your friend? <laughs> have, uh, have you not got, like, somebody you always play great with? 
No, not really. Um, <laughs> who else? Who else? Ernie. Do you know what? I always used to play great when I played with Ernie and Freddie Couples because I just it's adopted their <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Do you like to play with faders of the golf ball or drawers? And does it influence you at all? I uh, honestly don't mind. I'm not really watching them. I know. Yeah. I think I feel like the questions that we're asking naturally are like about players, but because you're so good and so elite, you're not looking at what they're doing. Surely no, you're no. in your own world. Yeah. So, like I said, if they get on with it, don't get in my way. Great. Yeah. Pete Tom Pete Toombs has asked: Will Forest get promoted? Yes. He's also put: If you ask, whatever you do, don't call them Notts Forest. You did before as well. Notts. Notts County, in it. God's sake, it's Notts County. It's Nottingham Forest or Forest or Forest. Okay, yeah. Um, the Reds. John Dawson, what are your swing thoughts as you step up to hit the ball? And do you have a do you have a routine right before you pull the trigger? Yeah, I have a routine that starts on the on the range. You know, I would I wouldn't just go out and hit five hundred golf balls one after the other like some fools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get a hole in my when I practice, I practice properly. So I'll, I'll I'll put a golf ball down and I'll pick a target. I'll go stand behind it. I will walk in and I lit it, and that'll be the same routine pre-shot routine and time over the golf ball as it will be out there today when, when we play when i beat you um so uh, <laughs> well, we've got the clickbait title for the podcast now lee westwood called me a fool that's, that's the title <laughs> of the podcast um i think it's a bit tough one. there was a bit more of a que- question oh, sorry, go on, that, yeah. though, there? Uh, no just do you have a routine and do you have anything before you right before you pull the trigger you, yeah you mentioned swing thoughts or something like that so i've got about five or six swing thoughts that i go through as I'm warming up and then I'll take my favourite to the golf course and if that one doesn't work that day then we'll try another one no way and if if it's going well then I'll keep the same swing thought obviously won't I but if I run out of if I go through the six and nothing's working then we're really <laughs> you <trouble>. pray yeah. <laughs> honestly is that yeah. what you do yeah. and have these have these been the same are these consistent Pretty swing much. thoughts yeah no they've way. got they've changed slightly over the years you know what? I forget a load of them. You know, if I have a couple of weeks off, I, you know, like today, I'll struggle to remember what I was working on uh, at the Masters. Oh my goodness! You need to leave little voice notes for yourself or write yeah, it or video myself yeah. in a lesson. You've got two. That's a good tip for amateurs, actually, if they're having a lesson. You know, everybody carries a phone now with video on it. Yeah. Video the lesson, then Big you time. can jog your memory whenever because they don't play every week. Sometimes no. do they? So you can jog your memory two, three weeks down the line yeah. about you know, and then you don't have to go for another lesson. Club pros will be loving me for that, won't they? <laughs> yeah, but if you give quality, you get more. You get more clients. Yeah, exactly. So that, that, it still works in your favour. Yeah. Um, Stephen Cargill, this is a tough question. Maybe one you don't answer. Who do you prefer on the bag? Helen, Helen or Sam? And don't, isn't the, there the, a third option as well? Don't you have a third? Caddy? I, I I use uh, um, all sorts of different caddies. If if Helen and Sam can't do it, right? So yeah. it doesn't phase you. Yeah. But your number one, you preferred is Helen. Yeah, the the conversation's just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, t- Sam tends to talk about golf too much, which I hate. Would <laughs> you talking about golf? Would you even talk about like thirty years? If it was you and Helen, would it literally be a case of like, what do you fancy for tea tonight? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like. Or what what colour do you think we should paint? You know that room. <laughs> <or>? Um, <laughs> I've, got, I've got another. Right, you can pick. What's your, this is from Nathan Young. Pick your favourite, par three, par four and par five. Oh, nice. 
what, 11, 12, 13 at Augusta, that's got to be some run, hasn't it? Yeah. All, all in a row. <laughs> yeah, three, exactly. Three yeah. Of the, Four, three and a five. Although I'm not a massive fan of the change they made to 11. I believe it's made it really it. challenging, hasn't it, if you miss right? Yeah, it just, I didn't think it needed it. I thought it was a brilliant hole as it was. Do you think it's um, still a brilliant hole? Don't get me wrong. I just preferred it how it was before. Did they ever make a change and then almost rectify it because it didn't quite work out? I'm sure they do, but they never admit to it, would they? No. Do you ever notice it though, or not really? They they say they've changed stuff, but it's very hard to see. You know, they'll not tell you what they've done. It's up to you to. That's the great thing about the place. You know, you you have to learn it rather how, than it being written down. And how does it bed in? How did they make it just look? Like it's been there forever. Unicorn dust, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle it on it. Um, who is, uh, this is from Eamon Hunt, who is the comedian in the Ryder Cup team? Stenson's pretty pretty good, pretty dry. Him and Poulter. Think he'll be a good captain? Yeah, very good, yeah. yeah. I think it's about respect, the captaincy, and Enric commands a lot of respect from everybody. Yeah, I feel like you won't mess around with him. Oh, we mess around with him, all right, yeah. Yeah. He can take a joke. He's a good lad. Um, da, 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 da. I've got another one, really good one here. Um, proudest, your proudest actual moment in golf. This is from Colin Wallace. It was like your proudest, very like one moment. Coming back, bar holding, coming back from adversity. Right, yeah. Yeah. You know, coming back from a slump makes me more proud than getting to world number one or rider really? clubs and stuff like that you know not not giving in Love I'm always that. a big fan of people that have not given in Tony Forrester has asked looking back was the one thing you would change in your career if it guaranteed a major win really I, I feel like I've made all the right decisions and good decisions at the time you know I'm quite happy with where everything sits I maybe wouldn't have been quite so aggressive on the first put at Turnbury on the final green. Yeah. That went about nine feet by. Yeah. But I, you know, that, that was, that was mentally a bad decision. You know, I, I'd stayed in the present all week that week and got myself into a good position. Then I saw Tom Watson hit the fairway behind me and I thought, well, he's going to make four from there. And he ended up making five and oh, he yeah. went through the bat, even with a good shot. And, uh, you know, cost myself being in the playoff. It was a, it was a mental error rather than a, a physical one. Just, just on I that, I was trying to win the tournament, which you might say, but you felt like you is a good it. thing. Yeah, yeah. We meant, I think we mentioned a couple of times, like about how the media big things up. Do you think that's something that gets bigged up? Is that something that's bigger in the media about the whole major thing than it actually is for you? Obviously, you've had an amazing career, world number one, twenty five wins in the European Tour. I feel like it's a ridiculous career for how long so competitive for so long is that something the media probably big up more than actually you're as bothered about they love stats don't they and they love comparing stuff and you know you, you, pe- people ask who's the greatest player of all time don't they mm-hmm. a lot of people say to me Tiger I say well it can't be because you rate everybody on how many major championships yeah. they've won and yep. Jack's won the most major championships he's the greatest player of yeah. all time so one minute they want it one That's way, and another minute they want it another way. Generally, to suit themselves, whatever suit the narrative narrative they they're pushing, or they feels feel like going for that day or week or year or whatever. So. That's the thing. Like obviously, winning a major is a massive accomplishment. But there's been a number of players who've won a major and they're not done 
that much else. Like yeah. you wouldn't want to do that, would you? You'd rather obviously have. Yeah, I mean, with a few different band. breaks and making a few different decisions at certain times. I could be sat here with four, four major championships. Yeah, but I'm not. But I don't think about it every day. It's not something that mm. winds me up. No, I've got a couple of bits here. That I think it's, it's kind of. I've got one more. Remind me, Ian sent a really nice comment. I want to tell you in a minute. This is from me. What advice would you give to young Lee Westwood? So if you could whisper it into the ear of you the very first day you turned professional, what would you tell yourself? Uh, I wouldn't tell myself anything. I, I've enjoyed the experience of learning and I've just had a, a brilliant time for 30 years. But would you tell them, like, everything's going to be all right and enjoy it? Yeah, not take it too seriously, yeah. It's a game. And if you were if you were to do it all again, would you do anything differently? The only thing I would do is I would take more responsibility for my own game, make more decisions. It's good listening to other people, but a lot of the time you end up living and making de- making decisions based on their opinions too much. I would go with my own thoughts more. Yeah, make your own decisions is what you're obviously doing now as well. Um, this, is, this is not a question, but it, it's a, a lovely, lovely comment, right? Ian Keane's put, it's not a question, but I want to give a big thank you to Lee. Lee invited my dad and I to walk the 18th at Wentworth on the Pro-Am day. My dad had just been given a new trial as he's been given a terminal cancer diagnosis in April. He found um, this, he found his way through it and walked around the Pro-Am and was a goal I set him as part of his recovery, as when I when he was in hospital, he could walk 15 yards. Mm. Um, the words of encouragement from Lee has helped him so much mentally that you could ever imagine. Dad is now playing golf two or three times a week wow. and getting stronger and stronger. He's a true gentleman and a credit to the game. Mm. Wow. Nice, isn't it? Like you've, yeah. like, you've helped someone get through something like that. The comments... On that has been phenomenal. Oh, here's a picture. Oh, wow. Yeah. See if you remember it. Yeah. Yeah, nice guy. Battler. Oh, that's good. He's playing golf, right? Yeah. Was that, was that this that he's year? A, he's a lesson that's for true anybody grit, in it? not giving up. That's great. That is proper grit, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Amazing. Wow. You're worried awesome. about a three, four footer not going in. Yeah, there you go. Go and have a chat with him. Exactly. It's all, it's all about perspective. So when I'm absolutely bricking on the first tee today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that'll be justified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lee, you've been amazing. Uh, thank you so brilliant. much for your time. Um, I think we've got time to hit, whack a few golf balls and get on the golf course. See if it's still there, eh? See, see if one of your six swing thoughts helps you today. <laughs> might need all six, Lee. <laughs> yeah, I might have to have a good stretch before I get going today. I won't awesome. be Rolls-Royce in it today. <laughs> What's Rolls-Royce in it? Well, Rolls-Royces don't need a warm-up, do they? Ah. You don't need a warm-up Rolls-Royce, so leave it. Ticking over for we, a while. we wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Private jets, these Rolls Royces. Right, thank you, Lee. Um, thanks everyone for listening and watching, and we shall see you all soon. Ta-ra. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods. For 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 